Hey, this is Bob Q, artist of James Bond Origin, and you're listening to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. You're listening to Rogue Agents, Episode 5, featuring 1967's O.K. Connery, a.k.a. Operation Kid Brother, a.k.a. Operation Double Double O Seven, a.k.a. Secret Agent Double O. Welcome to the fifth episode of Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Gary Albrick, the brother of Jared Albrick, <laughs> a.k.a. Fatal Probe. Some people know me as the estate sales sketch guy. See, I've started a bit. Make sure you follow that. <laughs> Joining me as co-agents are, starting with, Jerry Albrick, a.k.a. the Ferret Skull. <laughs> I don't know what Ferret Skull We're not going to get out of the intro with this bit. All right, Jerry, a.k.a. Jason, a.k.a. Ferret Skull. What's the most Bond-like thing you've done since last episode? actually occurred today and i apologize i'm sorry i'm a little bit late because i had an archery tournament mm. so, but i couldn't find my kilt man and it was hard to pick out which kilt to wear during my archery tournament so right. uh, i was running a little bit late so i'm sorry about that no problem i hope it all went well for you oh it did it did i'm cool. ready to uh, run an assault with me and my homies on a bad guy base all right also joining us is Agent Devlin Williams, a.k.a. the very opaque web. 
What's up, Devlin? Well, I prepared a song for this, so I hope you're ready for it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Bring it. Loving you is easy because you're beautiful. Do, 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 do. Ah! <laughs> you like, you like John, John Stamos' like brother? I, I could never hit that high E. Ah! <laughs> we need the dame. <laughs> if you're still tuned into the show. <laughs> Why? Uh, Agent Pat is off on a secret mission. I'm sorry. Agent Paul is off on a secret mission tonight. So he's been replaced with our friend and fellow agent from the On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network. We have Jimmy Not Bond Porter joining us. Welcome, Alan, a.k.a. Jimmy Not Bond Porter. Welcome back to Rogue Agents. You've been here before. Yeah, and why the hell am I back here for this? <laughs> Class the place I don't know. <laughs> what did you what did I podcast twice? Oh, what oh. Alan doesn't know is the texts that go off of like, okay, I just talked to Alan and he's gonna fill in for Pat and people <laughs> Jason and Jimmy and Devlin are like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's coming back. Well, what's the most bond like thing you've done since your last recording? Taking a few hypnosis lessons Ooh. you know as a sideline to the plastic surgery <laughs> right <laughs> do you also lip read of course <laughs> well with those three skills coupled with jason's archery prowess i don't know how we can miss we are a deadly team <laughs> <laughs> in case you haven't figured it out yet folks this episode of course i mentioned is our fifth episode of our ongoing series on this channel called mi6 rogue agents where we traverse the 007 universe that could be books that could mean music that could mean music books if things like that existed. I made that joke up just now. <laughs> it could mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects the Bond franchise that we love so much here at Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. So let's get to our rogue subject for this episode. We are covering whew, 1967's <laughs> OK Connery. <sighs> A.K.A. Operation Kid Brother, A.K.A. Operation Double 007, A.K.A. Secret Agent Double O. It's been released under all of those titles. Like I said, it came out in 1967, which is the same year that You Only Live Twice and Casino Royale with Peter Sellers came out. If you want to kind of get your movie barometer set. It was directed by Alberto De Martino. It starred Sean Connery's brother, Neil Connery. It also starred a whole host of Bond classic actors like Adolfo Celli, Daniela Bianchi. Anybody want to do a at this point? I kind of do. <laughs> Wait, that's not the I was looking for, Al. <laughs> you need a sexy growl. <laughs> you can't expect high quality on this show. <laughs> Lois Maxwell, Bernard Lee, and Anthony Dawson are all part of this film but you know what if you've never seen it before we're about to spoil the heck out of it there's your warning jason we're gonna need a plot description are you prepared for this <laughs> get that with that <laughs> it says it. i want to show alan something he doesn't have our oh it's backlit so you can't see he doesn't have our script but it literally says description jason and i wrote dot 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 good luck <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested right. in this myself I, I, I would love to know what the plot is so this, this would be fascinating i'm not sure this is going to help you much <laughs> give us what you got agent jason or or jimmy or whatever nickname you went with i can't remember or jerry you were jerry as a good countdown jerry i want to make a record that i've already counted one Ugh, from death. <laughs> more to come i'm sure okay all right, so here's the plot description. 
in some families, there's this older, wiser, more talented, more handsome brother. Let's see where this is going already. <laughs> and then there's a younger brother, you know, with less talent, but he's afforded an opportunity at success by riding the coattails of said more successful sibling. I know of a situation just like that. Mm-hmm. You got it. You got yep. it, Delvin. Yep. Well, this is, Delvin, this is a story about that. Okay. Mm. This is a pack of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so when an international gang of criminals embark upon a plot to do something with the world's gold supply, I can't say that I completely understood the plot, but I'm 100% convinced that the writers of the film didn't really understand it either. <laughs> Her Majesty's Secret Service needs a man with a certain set of skills. What are those skills? Well, they include hypnosis, plastic surgery, lip reading, and archery. And fortunately for them, the brother of their most famous agent fits the bill. So what transpires next includes a ridiculously easy hijacking of a military convoy by a gang of tripping balls women, a deadly secret buried deep in the mind of a beautiful Japanese woman for some reason that I couldn't quite discern, Lois Maxwell laying waste to a bevy of bad guys with a machine gun, which was actually pretty cool. Daniela Bianchi looking as beautiful as ever. That's always a plus. So there you go. One of the coolest revenge sequences I've ever seen on screen. And a final battle that involves a deadly archery duel. When all is said and done, OK Connery kind of left me liking some of it, not understanding most of it, and thinking... Well, that's what happens when the clearly superior older brother allows his younger sibling to explore his talents. Speaking of which, back to you, Jared. You know, there's just something about that, Jason. I just, I fully related to There's just <laughs> something certain was, elements yeah, of it. Ringing a bell. Really spoke to me. <laughs> There's a definite subtext there that I wasn't quite getting. <laughs> I tried to make it subtle, Alan. Was it was it subtle enough, you think? Don't want to edit this episode. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that, Jason, my older, wiser, more talented brother. You're welcome. The sad part is, for all these years, whoa, whoa. That we're, we're, I, I wasn't talking about Jason. I was talking about other <laughs> You thought we were talking about. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All I All right. The sad part is for all these years I've been doing this program, I've actually been dubbed the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) He's really Scottish. (laughs) It's true. All right, let's do some bric-a-brac. We got to go around the room and find out, is this a first watch on this film or a rewatch? You've dedicated extra hours to OK Connery. Alan, what do you think? This, God forbid, was actually my second watch, and I did a second watch just for you guys because I'd actually watched it probably about three months ago with my wife, Jill, and I was like, never say never again, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And I stupidly volunteered to... uh, to rewatch it again last night. My wife actually packed me upstairs with a large glass of wine, wished me good luck, and I killed my <laughs> brain cells for another one hour and 41 minutes last night. So yeah. All I can say is, wow. Twice is the limit. That's, yeah. Mm, wow. Yes, I'm going with wow. Delvin, first watch or rewatch? Yeah, first watch. Only watch. That will never... First watch. Okay, but you mentioned after we took you and Pat through the entire series of Bond films to 
mm-hmm. get you from rookie agents to rogue agents. Right, that you yeah. wouldn't mind going back and rewatching some of the films now that you've got this fresh set of eyes. But like the Bond movies that are good and mm-hmm. I like. So it's didn't make and entertainment value. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, not, not the. Let's just keep going. Oh, let's keep going. All right, Jason. First watch or rewatch? First watch, only watch. I'm putting an ad in Craigslist for a hypnotist to erase this memory from my mind. Watch. <laughs> well, I happen to know a hypnotist slash lip reader slash plastic surgeon slash archer. It could probably help you. It's me, your younger, less talented brother. <laughs> well, this is kind of a rewatch for me. I'm a huge mystery science theater fan, and the mystery science theater guys did do an episode around this movie. So I had seen it, quote-unquote, before, but Mystery Science Theater is a 90-minute show with time for advertising and all that built in. So I didn't get the full hour and 41-minute effect like I did this time around. So it's kind of where you watch. I saw the Mystery Science Theater version. I recommend it, by the way. It's very funny. Perhaps we should do that for a future episode. We'll all watch this again with the Mystery Science Theater. No, no, no. Feel like the votes are in. All right. If, if you can isolate it where there's just the MS32K guys, did I say that right? MST3K. Close. <laughs> Those guys, just the track without the movie? Yes. <laughs> wow. You don't even want the reference track. <laughs> I'll listen to them. I don't want to watch the movie again, is what well, I'm saying. All right. Everybody calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our highs and lows rounds. And as always, we're going to be gracious hosts. So we're going to let our guest, Alan Porter, kick us off in the first round of highs and lows. Are you going to go with a high? You're going to go with a low on round one, Alan. I'm going to go with a high, which is Lois Maxwell kicking ass with a machine gun. That's the winner. She right gets more to do in this movie than all the Bond movies combined. I mean, what's her total on screen time in the Bond movies? Like 11 minutes over however many movies. She actually got a role in this and she was out there kicking ass with a machine gun, which was pretty cool to see. So, uh, yeah. Yes, it uh, was. Yeah. That was one of my highs. Definitely. I agreed. I think everybody gave that a hear here. Yes. That will lead into a bit of trivia I found out about this film. Lois Maxwell and Bernard Lee both got paid more to be in this film than they ever got paid to be in a Bond film. That's where the budget went. Exactly. No, seriously. They basically threw a ton of money to get the Bond cast in this. And then they just ran with it. So, yeah, I can't fight that at all. I'm in complete agreement with Alan. The Lois Maxwell was awesome. Great start to the high slopes round. <laughs> and she looked at least as believable as Roger Moore firing mm-hmm. those machine guns. <laughs> yeah, just as much. Yeah. <laughs> Agent Delvin, high or low for first round, sir? I can't wait to hear what's coming out of your mouth. Here comes the well, second hug. If, if Alan can give a high, I can give a high, right? Okay. I mean, it's only fair. Mm-hmm. So if I'm to give a high, it would be that Neil Connery isn't that bad of an action hero for what it's worth. I mean, he looked long, he looked athletic. I mean, he could throw hands pretty good. So I'll give him that much. The action scenes in the movie were not bad. I concur. I don't think Neil Connery is bad. I think he's, you know, a little whoa, 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 easy. He is bad. (laughs) He's not a bad action 
Okay. I don't think he's that bad with everything else. I did a little wood, little stiff first movie, but like, I don't think he was awful. There was much, much more distracting things in that movie than his performance to me, but uh, it seems we've got a subtopic here. So let's let the others weigh in. Alan, uh, Neil's performance. What do you think? There's a kid's show we used to watch when I was young, which was a puppet show called the wooden tops. Uh, he would have been perfect <laughs> as a member of Wooden Top. Um, is this a real thing or are you gaslighting me again? <laughs> no, I'm not gaslighting you. It is a real thing. It does this to me a lot. And it's a real British joke. You can search it. You can probably find it on YouTube. Yeah, it was very wooden. It's difficult because of the amount of dubbing mm-hmm. on it as to how good his performance was. But yeah, very stiff, very wooden. Didn't emote at all. I was actually just looking. This was his first movie. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. And he did another 12 acting roles after this one. How? <laughs> did you see that last name? That'll get you some mileage, son. <laughs> yeah. Most of which, if you look at them, are great roles like Jimmy, prison officer, the father, detective, Spanish officer, country oh, yeah. police constable. So really high quality roles. Mm. But in 1984, he did something called Mad Mission 3, a man from Bond Street, where he played Mr. Bond. So he obviously still was playing that out as 1983 yeah but how the hell he got anything else after this is beyond me i mean he looked like that younger brother dropped into the middle of something that the older <laughs> brother does and he hadn't got a clue i mean compared george lazenby being dropped into the role to neil connery yeah um well they dubbed him too yeah i know but he knew how to act even if he wasn't an actor neil connery was yeah just but you know the casting director was like hey i got you connery yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. And I love the fact, actually, in the movie, they call him Connery. I mean, they don't, yeah. even, they yeah. don't even hide it's, it. They don't hide it. His character's name is Neil Connery. I mean, uh, awesome. Lois Maxwell's name was Maxwell. It was Max, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jason, you didn't get the way in. Neil Connery. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, in full disclosure, you and I watched some YouTube videos that commented on this film, and most of them wrote poor Neil pretty hard on his performance and i thought some of it was unfair i agree with delvin physically he at least looked like he could throw hands and he was holding his own on the screen i mean he was given some crazy material to work with and i don't think he got a ton of direction it doesn't look like he did anyway so for what he had to work with you know i think he did okay not so, okay, great, Connery. Okay. okay, okay, Connery. <laughs> no, so the Albrecht brothers are going to be a little kinder. Okay, interesting uh, sub-chat. Just going to interject here. That's two, Delvin. <laughs> he did drop a second hug just then. <laughs> Jason, you're high or low, sir? Well, I mentioned it before in the plot summary. I got to give it up for that revenge sequence involving the statue with the firing sword boy they played that out they had the two bad guys bidden on that statue and adolfo celli's character really wanted it and lost it out to the other guy other guys lorded over him the whole movie and then at the end of the day hoisted on his own petard impaled by the fired sword from that statue that was just masterful that was my favorite part of the movie Woke up for that part, if I remember. I did. I was like, oh, did you just see what he just did? <laughs> Holy cow, son. Oh, man. That was awesome. So I'll give it up for that revenge 
sequence involving the statue. Boy, they played that out over the course of the film, and it paid off. That was about the only single plot thread that actually had a resolution in this movie. Oh, I know. <laughs> and that's why you got to hold on to it, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to love that. I loved it. I thought it was great, too. Like you said, the whole setup of it, and then every time they went in that scene, that thing stood in the corner, and the whole thing with the gun and the drink. And and uh, you know that dude brought it in there just to be a d- like he said that yeah. like, oh, yeah. right behind my chair <laughs> yeah. so this guy can look at it all meeting long and i love the fact that the firing blade was also sort of set up with the evil nurse henchwoman earlier on with a firing blade from her knife oh so, i forgot yeah. about that yes good point so, so much to like in the story <laughs> no that's about it really <laughs> well we did a lot of positivity there in round one i'm interested to see if it's going to continue in round two it cycles back to Alan J. Porter. What do you think? High or low for round two, sir? Low. It, it sort of goes with the plot with the fact that none of us can make sense of the plot line. It was the random items, things like the pop group at the airport. What the hell was that all about? <laughs> I don't know. The mobile pussy casino. <laughs> um, the girls, you know, <laughs> after, after they stole the atomic whatever it was and were dressed up as can-can girls in the middle of a field for some reason to stop... <laughs> guys and then they all got changed into the pussycat outfits and made up the army truck into a casino mm-hmm. and then just drove off into the distance and the casino was never mentioned again you know <laughs> saw them again it was like it was just odd weird random stuff but the, it was almost like we've got to make a reference to something in all the bond movies and we'll just throw it in there there was all these if you really want to sit and study it there are so <laughs> many references in it to the bond movies <laughs> some of which are actually surprisingly subtle and others which are anything but subtle <laughs> So um, <laughs> they were yeah. definitely trying to cash in on Pussy Galore's Flying Circus at that point. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. And the whole casino, because they didn't have a casino scene, really, did they? I mean, they talked about playing back a but you never saw it. Which, considering they actually set the first part of the movie in Monte Carlo, you thought they could have got a casino scene in there somewhere. But yeah, it was just a lot of the randomness in the so-called plot just blew my mind. And to be honest, about halfway through, I just gave up trying to follow it. The guy that was on the plane at the beginning of the movie was transporting that nuclear device in that container. Mm -hmm. And then I guess not. I still don't know what was in that container. I thought he was a good guy because Lois Maxwell was waiting for him. But then when the bad guys were having their meeting, one of them said, oh, agent, I forgot his name already. Agent, whatever his name was, was meant to have delivered delivered something. And it was like, hang on a minute. Are we talking about the same guy who was working for the good guys at the beginning? And, yeah, I don't know. I just completely lost it. So I applaud both of your attention to detail because I'm almost like, what the hell are you two talking about? <laughs> well, I was Did really trying to follow movie? it. I was trying to follow the plot, and, and I thought it was crazy, too, because it's like, what are they robbing from this convoy? Because surely the military's not transporting a nuclear device guarded by, like, five guys in a Jeep. Apparently, and I guess they are. And surely, if they were, they wouldn't stop to just help some random women and then all get out and leave said nuclear device in the truck. But I guess they did. So (laughs) I was just scratching my head through that whole scene like, what is going on here? What kind of drugs were they taking when they filmed this thing? I thought that like I had accidentally taken drugs during that scene. (laughs) I looked at Jason, are you seeing this? So getting, they had the close up on that one girl too, and she just looked angry. Like, yeah. you're supposed to look sexy in that bunny outfit, but man, I'm, I'm scared <laughs> of you right now. 
I understood the plot of Casino Royale 67 way more than I understood the plot of this one. So. Well, that. we'll get there, Al. Al we'll get there. <laughs> I know, that's quite to talk, I know, but... <laughs> I don't think Delvin will ever make it through Casino Royale 67. <laughs> I have not made it through Casino Royale 67. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell you this much. I wouldn't have made it through this movie if Miranda weren't watching it with me. Because I don't know what it is. I don't know whether my bad movie meter had already started kicking off. But about two minutes in, I was already spacing out and having to ask Miranda what's going on. And she was at least able to keep up with it somewhat. And that kept me watching the movie. So Can thank you bring Miranda. her in here? Maybe she could explain it. To her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she told me later she was trying to explain to her sister and one of her best friends about the part of the movie. And I was just like, did you use the poop emoji? (laughs) (laughs) Just to save yourself time. Oh, my goodness. Well, guess what? That brings us to Delvin in our second round of highs or lows. I have a funny feeling there's a low head in our way. I'm interested to see what it is. So, yeah, you heard of the movie Office Space, right? Mm -hmm, That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. And at the start of the movie, while the main action is going on, you got the receptionist in the background saying, corporate accounts payable, Nina speaking, just a moment. Corporate accounts payable, Nina speaking, just a moment. Corporate accounts payable, Nina speaking, just a moment. Why am I bringing this up? Okay, Connery. Okay, Connery. Shut up. Shut it. I don't ever need to hear that song again. It was terrible to begin with, and they kept repeating it over and over. It's like, can I get rid of my ears before the? Oh, I kind of liked not that song, but I kind of liked that song they played for Adolfo Celli whenever he would do anything. You know what? I'll put the song in here, right here, for our listeners. Yeah. I liked it, but man, they used it for like everything. It was like Adolfo Chili puts on his slippers. Adolfo Chili has a snack. <laughs> and what blew my mind is this is a Morricone score. The same guy who did The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, you know? It's... Ah, Alan got me. It was in my fun facts. I was going to bring it later. <laughs> but yeah, share the script with the guest, Jared. Yeah, that's the downside. <laughs> Alan's right. It's in, in Neo Marconi score. Like you said, Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Scored a bunch well, of Clint Eastwood films, actually. Yeah, spaghetti West. Yeah, most of the Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah, and a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, In the Line of Fire, I think he actually yeah. came on board for that one. As we record this, he passed away not too long ago, so his name's been in the news. Just a great, great composer, and he, yeah, contributed to the soundtrack. Maybe have to double back on this one, Alan, for uh, <laughs> Six of the Best. Maybe that episode, we'll call it. Two of the best. (laughs) (laughs) Or one of the best, I think. Well, maybe one of them. And we can just play Delvin's favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to skip that episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jason. Round two. High, low. What do you think? Well, after panning this film, I feel like I should give it at least one low since I let out with a high. But I'm going to give it another high. I think Adolfo Celli was actually kind of baller in this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's right. We opened up with him, right? And he's got a half-naked woman giving him a massage Mm -hmm. while he's watching a half-naked woman dance on film on the back of another half-naked woman. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) This guy says not a word to this Mm -hmm. whole thing. Just kind of gets up, does his thing, gets his little messages, 
lights a cigarette, blows smoke into that girl's face. <laughs> he is clearly the master of his domain. Oh, and uh, that half naked woman inception, by the way. I just had to. <laughs> <add that. laughs> and he does such a great job. Just his presence on the screen without Adolfo Celli. Whatever they paid him, it was worth it. I'll just say that. I'll tag on to that. One of the reviewers that we watched, Jason and I watched the movie together, and then we watched a couple of YouTube reviewers, their takes on the movie in hopes that they could help explain things to us. One of them said, I actually like Adolfo Chili in this movie better than I like him in Thunderball. And I, I don't Shut necessarily up. disagree. Shut your face. <laughs> oh, but we did point out, too, that he met very similar demise in both films. And I have to agree, Jason, you agreed with this when we watched the review. So I'm calling you out here. They said they actually liked the final duel fight between Neil and Adolfo more than the Sean Adolfo fight in Thunderball because it had all that sort of sped up weird editing done in Thunderball. And this one felt more natural and had a tense ending to it. And I would agree with that. Thoughts, anyone? Death by spear gun, death by arrow. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing that got me with the arrow versus spear gun fight at the end was, oh, they're trying to do Thunderball, but on dry land. Uh, we'll do the Thunderbolt thing, but we'll do it in a cave. Uh, <laughs> it's clearly different. Clearly, clearly different. Um, and at least again, I guess it was a bit of a payoff for the archery thing because you know the first time I watched it, when the random archery competition popped up, I'm like, "What? What the hell is this going on?" And again, that actually did play out at the end. So it was probably the second plot line that actually did play out. But <laughs> the dual aspect of it, I thought, was quite good. Obviously, uh, it was just all very corny and. I loved Adolfo Celli's red leather uniform. I thought that was oh, uh, very yeah. stylish. <laughs> he and his henchmen decided they had to change into just for the final scene. I thought that was... Uh, was that a thriller killer night going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> see, where, see where Michael Jackson got the inspiration for his... <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I was yeah. looking for a beast with 40 eyes. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that whole sequence was so Austin Powers. Again, you can see where Austin Powers. Well, they really stretched too to make the archery scene there at the end, like to figure how can we write this in here? It's like, oh, this electromagnetic pulse thing disabled all firearms. It's like that's not how that works, but yeah, <laughs> but okay. I tell you um, what, when they did the EMP thing, though, what was the first thing you thought, Alan? <laughs> what do you think? Oh, bye. Goldeneye, yep. We said the same thing. This is where they got the plot for Goldeneye. (laughs) It was the MP, the magnets, the gold, the nuclear thing, the blind guys in the rug shop weaving radioactive rugs for some reason. Um, Yeah. Did you ever figure that one out, Alan? Because I couldn't. No, no, I couldn't figure that one out. No. No. Oh, wait, we're doing stuff with radioactive stuff? Let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he had to tell that guy t- twice, because the first time he said it, he said, like, what did you say? And then he said it, oh, riot time. Okay. <laughs> it's like you're blind, not deaf. You should have heard me extra. Yeah. One <laughs> sense is gone. He kicked off one of the world's most successful riots. just like that, man. <laughs> it turned on a dime. And he didn't even have to hypnotize anybody for that one. No, there's plenty of points in the movie where I think Neil could have saved the day if he had just used the hypnosis. And I like how at the beginning he had to steeple his fingers and do the look and then get him to do stuff. And then by the end, he could just kind of like move his eye a little bit and the guy would do it. <laughs> I did like how he hypnotized that big thug to do his dirty work for him. The guy on the table? Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to say that. That part was awesome. 
That was pretty cool. The guy got off the table, busted through that window, Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he Kool-Aid man right through there and just started pummeling on old boy. Just, Chase and I both like, whoa. What just happened? Overall, though, Neil Connery had an implausible set of skills. Really? You think so? Yeah, I mean, they almost, they almost could have been like his skills are just Deus ex machina. They're just anything, anything we need him to be, you know, just to advance this plot. That's where they're going to be. It's like, oh, we need him to read lips. Yeah, that's one of his abilities. Oh, yeah, we need him to just hypnotize people to keep this plot going. Yes, yes, that's a thing that he does. He's a doctor that can actually fight, even though he's a doctor who needs to preserve his hands for surgery. Yeah, forget about it. <laughs> that fight at his symposium broke out like that. <laughs> Random people in the audience just got involved. <laughs> I've never seen a surgeon so quick to throw hands like Neil. It's not possible. That's not a thing surgeons do. It's in the family blood, man. <laughs> Which Sean Connery's family <laughs> surgeons do that. Which brings up another thing, and which was may have been the most implausible thing of it all. Particularly, I know Jared and Jason are going to appreciate this a little bit. It's like, okay, so we need you for this mission. And, well, our top guy is gone. But since you're that top guy's brother, we're going to give you a security clearance. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Well, well, we're on that subject, <laughs> Delvin. Let's talk about the archers that fought with him in the cave. Weren't those just like his archery buddies? Yeah. Like, 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 archery he's like hey, guys, when we're done here, uh, how about you go risk your lives for me and get in this big archery fight with some guys you don't know in this cave that this bad guy owns? And they're like, cool. Okay, come on, <laughs> They did do something where they hinted at that it was ex-military, though, because wasn't it? It was like, you're a reserve officer, so we're going to... Right. They did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, old Bernard Lee. He was a crafty one in that movie. Yeah. Oh, guys, we have come to the end of our official highs and lows rounds, which can only mean one thing, that we're going to do burning highs and lows. I see Alan looking at a notebook, thinking real hard. <laughs> Alan... <laughs> Alan, what else do you have to contribute before we get to the scoring of this? Actually, I think we've talked about most of the things I had on mine. I had the score, Monaco, riffing on the Goldfinger opening title by showing movies on the back of a naked woman, Lois Maxwell. (laughs) I guess just as a model maker, the model making in this movie was this terrible. The atomic pile facility, whatever, just looked like it'd been made out of cornflake packets and (laughs) sticky back plastic. Yeah, it was terrible. Convoluted plot. And to me, the steepled hand thing just drove me nuts. Oh. Uh, That's just, about five, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. those were Alan's burning highs and lows. Uh, Delvin, what else did you just have to contribute to this discussion? I just said a lot of it, just about how implausible I thought that Neil Connery's was. <laughs> Even though we talked about his you know, how robotic it is. It is definitely worth mentioning that you could just sit there and wait for him to catch fire. He was that wooden. There was just something about his whole thing that was just, I don't know. I would love to know. Like, and I hope maybe in your highs and lows, you can tell me why they thought it was a good idea to make this movie because there are just some things that were just particularly having gone through the Bond franchise and For me, the worst movie was A View to a Kill, for me. 
And even then, that was a movie where I'm like, okay, I was entertained. I just didn't like it as much. This movie had the sin of just being boring and all over the place. That's the biggest thing to me. It's like, you can be terrible. I've seen crappy movies, but at least be entertaining. So I would love to know. I, I hope you have some fun fact about why they even decided to make this in the first place. And maybe that'll give me some perspective that I well, don't have. I don't have a fun fact for it, but I can tell you why. Sure. The answer, sir, is 1967. <laughs> James Bond was such a worldwide phenomenon that this is just tip of the iceberg of the spy films that spun out of this genre, man. The Flint series. Alan, feel free to jump in. I know you know all of the ones that spun out of this. There was a whole slew of spoof movies. Like you said, there's the Derek Flint, the Matt Helm. They were taking things like the Man From U.N.C.L.E. TV shows and pushing them together. They made eight movies out of the various Man From U.N.C.L.E. TV show episodes. There was the OSS 117, the French version of Bond. Virtually every movie studio was doing some sort of spy thing. And I guess this was the trying to do the spaghetti western of spies. And as you said, throwing the money at the Italian Bond I mean, they had this little core of Italian actors that have been in the Bond movies. Let's just leverage that and make, I mean, why did they make it? Money. Money. See, I thought when you were saying it was 1967 that you were referring to LSD. Well, I mean, look on me. Really, it was just the spy craze was so huge. Like Alan said, everybody was trying to cash in. And this one kind of did better than most because of the cast they assembled. And it got a little more notoriety. I mean, most of the ones that we mentioned to you just now, Delvin, you you never heard of them. Of course, you probably heard of the man from Uncle. You probably didn't hear of OK Connery until I told you we were doing it for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. I'll be honest with you. The only way I knew about it was I came to it through Mystery Science Theater, which I know is going to lengthen the show, but I'd kind of be interested. Delvin, you found out about it when you found out we were going to do the show. Mm-hmm. Jason, when did you first become aware of OK Connery or? Agent 007 or Kid Brother, whatever you want to call it. When you told me about it, I'd never heard of it until then. All right, Alan. I don't know. It was just like one of those dirty little secrets of the Bond franchise that sort of was there on the outskirts. I think probably around the same time I became aware of Casino Royale 67 and stuff, just that there was these spoof movies sitting out there. And I knew there was one with Connery's brother in it. I think I knew it more as the Operation Kid Brother title. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I only sat down and watched it, like I say, what, three, four months ago was the first time I ever actually actively looked for it and sat down and watched it. To, and God knows why I did that. <laughs> yeah, I've known about it for several years, but uh, only really watched it recently. Okay. Well, I think all we got left is Jason's burning highs or lows. What do you have left on this film, Jason? Yeah, my biggest issue is just I really did not understand the plot. I never got what it was the main bad guys were trying to do. I really tried to follow it. I will admit I kind of fell asleep, dozed (laughs) off in a couple parts in there, but it was just so all over the place as far as the script was concerned. But I will say that as far as Lois Maxwell's concerned, I think she obviously had fun and she looked good on screen and she was doing the action sequences. It looked like she was having a good time doing that. Bernard Lee did his usual Bernard Lee stuff, and it was great to see him every time he was on screen. So there were parts of it that I I really liked, but overall, the main thing for me was just I did not understand this meandering plot one bit. Well, with those thoughts, I think there's nothing left to do but get a couple of fun facts done, and then we'll get into our scoring on this film. 
my fun fact number one, we've kind of alluded to it already. The entire film is dubbed. The entire film is dubbed. It was very commonplace in Italian cinema at this time to film a movie and then add all soundtrack elements later. Most people dubbed themselves, but Connery did not. Apparently he had appendicitis and he was in the hospital for a while and they were like, eh, we'll just dub him. <laughs> we won't even wait a couple of weeks for him to come back. So he got dubbed with a very sort of flat accent. It would be interesting to see what he actually sounds like, because I don't know. Fun fact number two, and Neo Marconi contributed to the soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) Boo! Really? I'd never heard that before. Uh, But hey, check out Fun Fact 3. I think you're going to like this one. The producer of this film, the Neil Connery film, went to Eon after it had been announced that Sean Connery was leaving and they were on their search for what would eventually be George Lazenby and offered up the services of one Neil Connery to take over the Bond franchise. Albert passed. (laughs) (laughs) I can can picture Mr. Broccoli with his hands clasped, staring at him. No. So he, yeah, he was officially put out there to the uh, Eon Productions. They took a pass. I'll tell you what, from what I read, you know, this kind of hearsay, he said, she said, from what I read, this kind of actually ticked off Broccoli. You know, he was kind of a proud man on his franchise and didn't like anyone hedging in. And he did not like that the actors did it. I heard it ticked off Connery, too. But he kind of backpedaled that later on. But I think initially they were both, Connery and Broccoli, were both kind of upset with Lois Maxwell and Bernard Lee for kind of stepping into this low rent version. Well, still they made more money than they did doing Bond films. But I did read that Connery softened on it later and just kind of supported his brother, which, you know, nice thing to do. It's what Jason's been doing for me for a while now. (laughs) And with that, let's get into the ratings. Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. I got one. Go ahead. This is for Delvin. The film soundtrack was never released when the film was originally released in 1967. However, there are two 7-inch 45 RPM singles including the main title, Delvin, sung by Christy. They were the only original music releases associated with the film. So guess what you're getting for Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You give me that for Christmas. I got something for you for Christmas, too. We're not going to discuss that on... Is it a poop emoji? What? No. (laughs) Come on. Oh, my goodness. Let's get into the ratings of this film. As a reminder about our rating system, if you give it a seven, don't think we're going to have that concern tonight. That means you loved it and it shook your martini. The six, you think it was excellent. Five, it was very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini. Alan, you get to set the martini bar. No pun intended. What are you doing? I'm setting the martini bar real low. I'm going to go for a one. I was going to say the one thing, and I know we keep having this discussion backwards and forwards. I didn't doze off and get bored by Casino Royale 67. (laughs) This, you guys guys keep talking about how you dozed off watching this one. One thing you can't say about Casino 67 is it's boring. This one is boring. It's confusing. It's boring. It's badly done. It's badly acted. It's got a few cool moments, but it's the bottom of everything Bond as far as I'm concerned. Now, I feel like you're sugarcoating, Alan. 
<laughs> How'd you really feel? Oh my goodness. Okay. You got the bar set as low as it could possibly be set. Is that the, is that the first one score you've had on anything? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you are the first, sir. You motivated me to go to YouTube and get a sound effect of just the stirring clinkity clinkity clinkity. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got Delvin's ice for that. I don't need to go to YouTube. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> there we go. I got it. <laughs> okay. Put it in the right spot. Man, with, with Alan's one, let's give it to Jason. What are you going to do? I can't pass the gag. I'm going to give it a three. Just okay. Just okay, <laughs> Connery. Okay. Oh. Oh. No. Oh. oh. Couldn't resist the gag, fellas. Oh, oh dear. Oh. A part of my soul just died. I just, just like Thanos, just withered in the dust. <laughs> okay, Jason gave it a three. Looking at you, Delvin. Oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a one. Oh, it, yes. Like, <laughs> Alan over the door. I, I looked on the other side. He has cookies. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, I, so I walked in. It's M&M's. So I got M&M's. Oh, oh, I love M&M's. I love M&M's. <laughs> M&M's are great. Like I mentioned, the, the worst offense was that it was boring. And I was within minutes zoning out on it. I never did that on any Bond movie. I never did that on Never Say Never Again. Not even close. Not even like maybe a phone. Thunderball. Song. definitely not thunderball even though the guy here like uh, in this movie was like definitely much much better than thunderball i absolutely agree (laughs) well then why'd you give him a one then (laughs) (laughs) i just said that to give you a rise you you knew that and it still gave you a rise (laughs) okay i love thunderball (laughs) the biggest offense is that it was boring and if Miranda wasn't there, I wouldn't have paid attention at all, as opposed to halfway paying attention to it. And that's the biggest thing. Even though, I mean, there were some parts in it that we mentioned, but like overall, I have to put it there because at one time I gave a Bond movie a two, and there's no way that I am putting this on par with any Bond movie that I've ever seen. So I have to give it a one. Okay, I'm going to cast my final vote, and I'm going to land on that too. I'm going to say it's not so good. Ultimately, I think it is really just a film for the ultimate Bond fans that want to peek in every corner of the Bond universe, no matter how ludicrous and cat Some outfit. Some corner should not be peeked into. <laughs> cat outfit wearing, gold rug irradiated, making lip reading, arrow <laughs> shooting, hypnotizing, surgery making, hypnotizing. If any of that sounds good, you check it out. I mean, I think the best way to do it is the way that I found it. I mean, I watched it a few times on Mystery Science Theater. I think that's the best way to get it because you get the amusing parts of the Mystery Science Theater. You get the flavor for how crazy the film is. But I think I got to kind of land with what Alan and Delvin were saying that as crazy as it is, and we've talked about all of its craziness, it does just lull. It's kind of a slug to get through. So that's where I'm going to land at a two. It is something that I can say that I've watched. <laughs> and I mean it, because like, you know, like they were, you know, if, if I'm ever in some peeing contest with some buff, have you ever watched OK Connery? I did watch OK Connery. <laughs> and I podcasted <laughs> about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, with that, 
let's pass it over to our network founder, Mr. Van Allen Plexico, to thank all the Patreon sponsors who make this show possible. We have to thank Matthew Flowers, Carl Von Drunker, Samuel Salvatore, and Christopher Burleson, as well as Phil Amthor, Ben Spooner, Bart Lindsay, Bradley Blackman, William Glenn Matthews, Gary Grant, Brian Gray, Willie Carden, Tom Anderson, Susan Trawick, Logan Chilton, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then, of course, we got William Morgan, Johnny Caldwell, Emmanuel Seaman, WDE Richie, Winston Body, Clinton Stewart, and Christopher Stewart. Hey, guys. Mickey B, Phil Davis, Joshua Corbett, John Otsuki, Preston Settle, Daniel Odom, A. You Falling Up Alchemist, Kevin Smith, Clarence Alford, Will Summerford, David Hegler, Theodore Gary, Reynolds Wolf, Joel Beckham, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, John McCune, David Evers, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, and Rich Reimer. Then we have Sarah Hines, Darius Benton, a couple of new folks, welcome aboard. Rob Morgan, Blake Heron, Hugh Anderson, Stephen Houston, Cato the Barner, Danny Flack, Puppy Todd, Russell Milling, Kevin Canoy, Don Ziederman, Ross, Lane Middleton, Shannon Butson, Randall Walker, Shane Bailey, Chris Thrash, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, and C.T. Wayne. And finally, good old Jeremy Minton, Wardam Wade, Spanky, J.W. Rice, Jason Albrick, Mitch Vigicana, Mick Vigicana, not Mitch, Russell Souther, I've said these names a million times and I still mess them up, <laughs> Paul Bankson, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Kevin Mahan, Stephen Wyatt. See, if you fast forward through this, you miss all the fun. Trevor Johnson, Auburn Elvis, Robert Drain, Brandon Smith, Royce Alvarez, Thomas Brinson, David Smiley, Matthew Wagstaff, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, Darren Pyle. I'm sure nobody fast forwards through it. You want to hear all my wacky mispronunciations. Chris Camo, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig, Joseph A. Miller, Mark Squire, Chris Brent Rumble, our one-time and anonymous donors. And we thank you all. We really appreciate you. We couldn't do it literally without you. Visit www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net to become a member and join the fun. And that's the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. If you like, you can even use the email, as a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment, and we might even play it on the show. Please try to keep your audio file to around 30 seconds or less, and we would love to hear from you and make you a part of the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left a review for the show. That will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program, even after this episode. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. We do have a few comments from our Twitter page to toss out there tonight. The account Time to Bond said that Neil Connery will not be back in anything, (laughs) (laughs) which Alan proved us is not true, but eh, nothing of substance. Mark Johnstone said a decent poster, but that's about it. And I will say, if you go look at the original poster for this, it's not bad. It is actually a good poster. And finally, that guy, Cy, said, I've never seen it, but I'm rather curious about Operation Kid Brother. Also, the Dean Martin spy films. Should I be tempted? Runaway Scar. (laughs) I got nothing on Dean Martin spy films. Go watch the Matt Helm movies. They're good fun.
I guess what we know what our next rogue agency is going to be. <laughs> They're not as good as the James Coburn, Derek Flint movies, but they are good fun. But again, very 60s. Gotcha. Yeah. And finally, Courtney Holland said simply, shh, it's a secret. <laughs> so <laughs> it those, will be are, <laughs> <laughs> those are our Twitter comments. Thanks for chiming in, everybody. We appreciate you contributing. Back to Delvin. I want to thank uh, Alan for joining us on this episode. Thanks for coming along, Alan. You are clearly a masochist, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. You guys owe me big for this one. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Indeed, we do. Before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find uh, us on the internet. Alan, please start. For Bond stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Instagram and Tumblr at James Bond Lexicon. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Instagram. Jared. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist, or you can check me out on YouTube. If you search Yard Sale Artist, you'll find me drawing pictures or sharing yard sale finds. Come check it out. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at DEE underscore RAY 1977. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, have a long box crusade. Jared, where can that be found? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. Long box crusade can be found on pretty much all your finer podcatchers, including Google Play, Apple. It's all out there. Just search long box crusade, or you can go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. Back to you. Thanks, Jared, and thank you to the fellas for taking us on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jason's choice. (sighs) But on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. episode features the James Bond Goldeneye 007 Trap Remix by The Wiggler.